This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. The early church father Tertullian once said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The history of God's covenant people is one steeped in persecution, and yet it continues to thrive despite affliction. On today's podcast, we see that God's covenant people have always been out of step with society, but the legacy of God's people is one of deliverance and victory. Let me call your attention to Exodus chapter number 1, verses 5 through 9 today. The total number of Jacob's descendants was 70. Joseph was already in Egypt. Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation eventually died. But the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. One of the main reasons for creating the one-story reading plan was to help us see the story of God in the world. It is, after all, his story not a series of disconnected stories, but instead one epic narrative. Sometimes we think of these stories as individual tales designed to teach us a moral lesson. But if we do not read them in the larger context of God's grand design, we often run the risk of diluting their content to a moralism designed to make us good people. Sadly, we don't appreciate how each story is interwoven into God's grand storyline that testifies of a Redeemer that will come and deliver his people from their slavery to sin. Ultimately, the story of the Bible is not about making us good, but exalting God as glorious, and that is rooted in the gospel of deliverance, not in the moralism of Christianity. Seeing the Bible, and particularly the Old Testament in this context, ensures that we keep the main point of the Bible in mind as well, chiefly that our God has come to rescue and redeem sinful and broken people. We witnessed this in the story of Joseph. We saw how Joseph was loved by his father but hated by his brothers, sent ahead of them to preserve their life despite their not recognizing it how he was sent to a foreign land and unrecognized for who he really was, the beloved son of the covenant. We witnessed how he was tempted and yet his integrity shined through. We followed him through the unjust accusations and unfair incarceration that he endured. We watched as he was forgotten in prison. Yet at the right moment, amid the greatest of famines, he was exalted to the second in command. Through his wisdom, God single-handedly saved the world from starvation 
until eventually the world had to come falling on their face before him to beg for mercy, including those who had rejected him, his very own brothers. In a moment, when he had every reason to kill them uh, for leaving him for dead, he instead showed them mercy uh, to those who thought that he was as good as dead. Joseph granted them his forgiveness, and as they feast at his table amid the famine, he invites them to come live with him and not quarrel along the way back home to get the rest of their families. The brothers come to him at last repentant of their sin, and he restores them to fellowship. As they await their return to the land of promise, they are given the land of Goshen. Goshen was a land of plenty, which means approaching or drawing near. As they wait, they are given seeds to cultivate and asked to provide the Pharaoh with one-fifth of their proceeds and then to live graciously off the rest. As you can see, this story is a fitting foretelling of God's redemptive work on the cross for humanity. In every angle of the story, we should see Jesus. He was beloved by his father, hated by his brothers, sent ahead of them to preserve life. He was tempted, yet his integrity sustained him. He was unjustly accused and unfairly incarcerated until such time as God exalted him and through his plans saved the world from the spiritual famine that they faced. As we, his brothers who thought he was dead, fall at his feet for mercy, he feeds us amid the famine. Jesus saves our lives as we trust him for provision. In so doing, though he was dead, he is alive with all the power. Instead of using that power to destroy us, he miraculously forgives us as we come to learn repentance. We live in a foreign land now, awaiting our full redemption. We live in the land of Goshen, as it were, a land of plenty, reminding us that our redemption is drawing near. As we wait, we are given the stewardship of talents, resources, and relationships to cultivate and give back to the Lord. In his mercy, he allows us to live off the rest of what we are given. Now at last, after witnessing this breathtaking glimpse of redemption, we continue that storyline now in Exodus chapter 1. And the similarities between this story and God's grand storyline of history continue to emerge. Israel is God's special covenant people, chosen by God through Abraham to be the family through whom all the world will be blessed. Because of this covenant blessing, this family, though they are holy and thoroughly broken and dysfunctional, carries the incredible covenant blessings of God on their life. Even amid the foreign land as they wait for their exodus, their deliverance from their eventual slavery is sure. We learn that Joseph has 11 brothers who were chosen. When they enter the foreign land, we are told that there are 70 of them in all. As they live in the land, it is because of God's blessing that they are fruitful and they multiply. 
This wording is an uncanny resemblance to the creation mandate given to God's first family, the one whose special relationship was not marred by sinful choices. God told Adam and Eve this, and he told Noah this, who found grace in God's sight. They were to be fruitful and multiply. We eventually learned that the land was filled with them. After Joseph, we are told that a new king arose to power who did not know about Joseph, and, as a result, he felt threatened by the people's growth. Consequently, he begins to oppress them and persecute them. Yet, as their oppression continues, their growth increases. The more they are persecuted, the more they thrive in the foreign land because of God's covenant promises and blessings. Now, in applying Exodus chapter 1, we see this same pattern in the early church's life, first through the book of Acts, and then in the first centuries of the church as a whole. In many ways, God's new covenant people, a people inaugurated by the blood of Jesus, lived in a land foreign to the eternal home that awaited them. They were prosperous and lived in the land of plenty as they waited for their full and final redemption. When they started on their journey towards their exodus and eventual entrance into the promised land, there were, ironically, 11 of them chosen of God that remained after Jesus' death and ascension. These men were known as the disciples. Through their witness, their immediate family had grown to 70, another number identification with the earliest of Jesus' followers. The following of Jesus initially was numbered at 70, or 72, see Luke chapter 10. The first three centuries of Jesus' followers were, like the children of Israel, intensely persecuted, both nationally and locally. Despite the persecution, the church continued to grow. For the first three centuries, the Roman government learned that they could not stop the growth of God's covenant people. They eventually stopped martyring them because the more they killed them, the more they grew, leading to Tertullian's phrase, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Eventually, the church became so strong that it toppled an empire. A few hundred years before Constantine made it legal to be a Christian, the emperor ordered troops from Egypt, who were Coptic Christians, to attack the Gauls. All of these Christian brothers were martyred because they refused to massacre a people whose only flaw was that they themselves refused to sacrifice to the Roman gods. Their zeal for the Lord was so strong that even the persecution could not stop their faith. The early church continued to multiply in the land of persecution because what was within them was infinitely more powerful than the forces around them. The same is true of the church today. We live in a world that is increasingly hostile to Christianity. Around the world, the church is under attack. However, these days, we should be comforted because the same power within the hearts of these first beleaguered Christians is present within us today. We are no less empowered to stand for the truth as the first century Christians were.
We have the same covenant promises from the same powerful God. And we, like they, should stand up for the truth as the pillars that we are in this society. Consider God's words to the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1 verses 17 through 19. Now get ready, stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Do not be intimidated by them or I will cause you to cower before them. Today, I am the one who made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the population. They will fight against you, but never prevail over you, since I am with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Jesus, help us to remember who we are. We are not slaves in a foreign land. We are the covenant people of God's whose history is a long one of redemptive power. We serve a God that will deliver us. And like the children of Israel, even if he does not, God give us the zeal to say with the Hebrew children, we will not bow to your gods. This godly defiance in the face of persecution is our heritage. Help us to remember it and embrace it in a culture set against us and help us to live with grace and truth. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For the show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Have a great weekend. Join us on Monday as together we help you learn to read your Bible.